What's up, everybody? Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office desk of Doom. Like always, I'm staring out the north window. It is dark as shit outside. Um, it is 5. I'm doing this at 5.40 on uh, Monday afternoon or evening, and it is dark. Goddamn daylight savings time. I hate you. Uh, so... You're probably going to hear me bitch about it for the next five months. So, yeah, get used to all of that. But uh, getting dark early means uh, I'm going to stop recording these in the mornings and do them in the evenings because uh got to come in, you know. I'm not pulling stuff in the yard because I can't freaking see, so got to come in and do inside stuff. So, <clears throat> anyway, probably going to do more of these like this um, but thank you guys for joining in following for sharing for liking reviewing telling a friend telling a co-worker appreciate it uh, all the mentions I'm getting on the various social media stuff thank you for dropping the dropping the uh, hints to other people that I am out there um, thank you everyone for the patreon support that's super helpful as well I know it's you don't think it is if it's just a dollar a month, but it really does add up and it does go a long ways towards keeping the, this stuff rolling. So anyway, um, calendar, same birthday cruise, March 16th through the eight, through the 19th, uh, 2019, Southern California running Route 66, um, going west to east going to start in Bakersfield, go from there. Going to really try to get into New Mexico. Uh, I think that's a neat, neat section of the route. Uh, so I'd like to get there. But <clears throat> we have no schedule. We have no plans. We have no itinerary. We have nothing. So if we get there, we get there. If we don't, well, then we had fun getting to wherever we got to. It's open to international vehicles uh, as long as it's, you know, international, not uh, power stroke, powered forward. Uh, I will be driving my 56 S100. Uh, that is a three on the tree with factory overdrive, six cylinder, two wheel drive. I'll be running that. I'm hoping to change the rear end out to get a little bit lower gear or taller gear, I guess, uh, for a little bit better highway running. Cause I'm going to drive it from the shop to California, run the route and then drive it home. So there's going to be a metric shitload of miles. So I'm hoping uh, I can keep it together. The motor runs good. Transmission feels nice. Uh, the brakes are good. It rolls good. Bearings are good. So, you know, I'm confident that I can do it, especially with a taller gear. I won't have to rev that motor so much. And, uh, you know, that should help keep it alive. So we will see how that works out. But anyway um don't have much of an itinerary for tonight's show today's show uh i got a book in the mail today a wonderful um i don't know customer i guess you call him bought several things for me in the past uh stumbled into a cts 2303 which is the travel all repair manual 72 to 75 travel all 
has everything in it, uh, the like AC stuff, body stuff, all the shit that the a lot of the other books don't cover. Uh, and that's the thing. It's, you know, you really got to get the right book for your model. Uh, I know there's a lot of overlap with like the engines and transmissions and gears and gear setup and that sort of stuff. But it's some of those other details that really um, go a long ways towards making the, the book worth the money. Uh, you know, and I know they're 80 or 90 bucks through binder books or IH parts, but it's really worth it. Keeps you from wrecking a lot of shit that, you know, if you don't know what you're doing and then, you know, you, you gas and break something or lose something. And that's what I had talked about in an earlier cast about me doing this by trial and error and just destroying things that uh, shouldn't have gotten destroyed because I didn't have a book. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything. So I just tore into shit and ruined it. And then, uh, yeah. So if I'd had a book that covered that particular thing, probably would have not wrecked it the way I wrecked it. So, yeah. A lot of you guys are novices and weekend warriors and evening warriors, and it's nice to have the book. Uh, you know, the holidays are coming up. Put it on your list. Put it on your Christmas list. Put it on your Hanukkah list, whatever, in every list. Just put it on there, and uh, you will uh, be, you know, it'll be a great thing to have. Uh, maybe your significant other will enjoy it, too, because uh, you won't be pissed off and irritated all the time because you ruined something. So buy the book. Don't uh, be too proud to admit you don't need it, because you do. There's a lot of stuff in there that makes it worth it. So um, one thing they cover in the books and one thing that we went over just the other day is break-in of various pieces of equipment. Uh, new engines, fresh rebuilt engine, you know, flat tap it cams, got to fire it up and immediately run the thing up to 2,000 to 2,500 and let it run there for a goddamn 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes. And it is the most nerve-wracking experience that you'll ever go through watching this engine that, you know, you've got several thousands and thousands of dollars into, and uh, you're just running it wide open, hoping for the best. Um, so it's very important that you follow the steps in the book uh, or follow the steps that your engine builder gave you. Uh, and you quadruple check everything. Everything radiator hoses, heater hoses, check the oil level, make sure you've got the seven, six or seven quarts in it, make sure that the heater core is hooked up, make sure that, you know, if you're going to run that. Some of you guys will fire them beforehand uh, and, and not have any of the accessory stuff hooked up, and that's fine too, but you just got to remember it's got to run wide open or, you know, two grand, 2,500 for 15 to 20 minutes to break that cam in. And that, you know, the engines get hot. Stuff gets hot. You know, we put a fan in front of the trucks while they're running, even though, yes, the, the fan is still pulling air through. Um, we set an electric fan up, just a fucking box fan or whatever, put it in front of the radiator and run that to help force more air through 
just to help keep it cool because they do get hot. Brand new motors, they're tight. They build heat. They get warm. So, uh, you know, make sure transmission's in neutral or park um, if it's automatic. And uh, just make sure everything's hooked up. Any Make sure the oil filter's snug. Everything's bolted down. Make sure the carb is tight and fuel lines are tight. Power st steering hoses are tight. Alternators hooked up. Belts are tight. All that stuff. Uh, because nothing sucks more than starting it and it runs for five minutes. And then you got to shut it down. And, you know, because you got a leak somewhere. Something's up. Because, uh, yeah, it just... I mean, yeah, you can just start over and run it again, but you don't know what if the motor's going to hold up because of the shitty break-in. So, uh, you know, we had a, a engine just about explode on us one time. Um, the freeze plug blew out of the bottom of the intake manifold because the machine shop hot tanked the manifold and didn't change the freeze plugs. So the hot tanking loosened up the glue or whatever, however they're held in there. I know there's kind of hammered in but whatever happened it broke the rust free and whatever and it came out at about eight minutes into break-in of an engine and just blew hot coolant everywhere so we don't uh, break in with coolant anymore we just run distilled water uh, for our break-ins and initial procedures and whatnot and then uh, we run um, you know we'll drain two gallons out or however many, whatever half the cooling system is, and uh, and then put coolant in after the fact because uh, you know distilled water is just so much easier to clean up with and deal with than uh, coolant because it's so sticky and gross. It makes such a mess too when that that stuff lets go. Um, so you know, as far as engines go, just double check your shit. It's you know, yeah, I get it. You're confident in how you put it together, and it's whatever, take some time to recheck everything, but an extra 20 minutes checking hose clamps and hose fittings is worth all the time in the world when you've got, you know, the potential to wreck an engine or make a terrible mess. So keep that in mind. Uh, other things that break in, rear ends, front ends, you know, they want to see 500 miles on the brand new gear set and then you got to change the oil. Uh, and that's what we generally do. We run regular old, you know, 80, 90 uh, from Napa and our initial setups and stuff. It's a good quality gear oil, nothing fancy. Uh, you know, we don't put the additives in if it's got limited slip. We don't add the additive immediately. Uh, we run the, the 500 or as close as we can get to 500. Then change it, drain it, change it, and put in... A synthetic gear oil um, depending on the application uh, and then it gets the um, additive you know and so make sure the oil you're adding is is limited slip safe and then you put the additive in and uh, that's for the track lock stuff like the 73 and and newer trucks that have track locks uh, which we all call trash locks because they're just terrible uh, so um, that's for that one. The power locks, which are my favorite, uh, I love those things to death. They require additive as well, but it's a different kind, if I remember right. I'll, I'd have to look at our collection of shit on the shelf because, 
maybe it's all the same anymore. I don't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, but yeah, the, uh, power locks are the fucking shit as far as limited slips go. Um, I love those things and I try and buy them whenever I can. If I'm at the swap meet or something and I see a power lock, I'll buy it just because they're really robust and, and really strong, um, limited slip. But as far as break into that stuff goes, yeah, you just run it, change the oil, you know, and then, uh, you're good. Top it off with some good synthetic. Yeah, it depends. I mean, synthetic gear oil is pretty good. It helps keep the heat down, especially if you're running an aftermarket diff cover. Um, you want that synthetic in there just to help with heat and, and flow. Uh, manual transmissions, same thing. I just run whatever in a, uh, whatever I need to to break them in. Uh, those aren't getting new gears per se. They normally are just getting synchros and and uh, seals and stuff like that. So uh, you gotta w really really watch the oil you're putting in the transmissions because all this modern gear oil is not uh, brass safe, uh, which a lot of those transmissions have brass synchros. So uh, you need to make sure the oil you have is is like a GL3 or GL4. Anything over GL4, I believe, is not safe for transmissions unless it's a synthetic. Uh, we run straight 50 weight uh, in a lot of our transmissions uh, or a synthetic 90, 7590, uh, as long as it meets the GL requirement. Um you know, unless you run like an NV, uh, NV4500, NV3500, 3550, those have carbon fiber uh, synchros, carbon fiber guts. So they have to take their own special oil. Uh, we buy it right from the dealer because I just don't want to ruin a, a expensive transmission or have a, a warranty problem because a lot of these transmissions are new or freshly, fresh rebuilds. And... Uh, so that stuff is 20, it's like $25 a quart. Um, and so you need to really be sure what you're doing with that stuff. So an NV is pretty expensive to break in uh, because you're going through so much of that fluid, but uh, it's worth it because you don't want to wreck, you know, that much investment. And then, um, you know, transfer cases, not so much. Again, Transfer case rebuild, 98% of the time you're just getting bearings. Uh, so that's a, another one where you just want to run good. I, we run synthetic 50 weight in that. Transfer cases, Dana 20s, Dana 300s get the synthetic um, 50 weight. And, uh, you know, that's about it. And then, you know, if you're going through all this break-in stuff, you're probably getting close to driving your rig. If it's been a restoration or an ongoing project, there's certain things you need to keep in mind. You don't want to haul ass immediately. You know, yeah, you broke the engine in. You really don't want to go doing burnouts immediately. Uh, some people have different theories on that. There's other guys I've talked to that say, you know, first thing you need to do is a burnout and rev the shit out of it and run it hard because that's how you break them in. And then other people say, you know, oh, take it easy gradually break it in it'll last a lot longer what i've heard from the old timers and i you know again this is old man talk and i'm sure some of you guys will have varying degrees of how i'm wrong but 
if you break them in hard, like immediately get out, just start running the shit out of everything, they will have more power, but live shorter. If you go soft on them, go gentle, break them in over time, you won't have as much power, but they last a lot longer. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never experienced that because we break them in the same way over and over and over. But that's what I've heard from some of the old guys. So, um, you know, that being said, kind of take that with a grain of salt. But we, because these rigs aren't ours, I break them in carefully and then drive them carefully and then let the customer do what they want to do with them. And if they blow it up, then it's on them, not me, because I hate spending money out of pocket to fix my own mistakes. When you're breaking these things in, or you're getting them out on the road, a lot of stuff to double check. If the rig has been sitting for a while when you're going through this whole process, check the brakes. Make sure that there's still fluid in the masters. Make sure it hasn't leaked out. Make sure that you got pedal. Um, you know, I know of one person who got their rig running, jumped in, threw it in reverse, backed out of the driveway, and then realized they had no brakes, end up doing circles in the field until they got it stopped. Uh, you know, so that's something to think about. Um, drive shafts, make sure your U-joint straps are tight or U-bolts are tight. Uh, that's one that gets overlooked sometimes. Because um, I know on some of the lifted scouts, the way the U-joint angle is, there'll be two of them that are hard to get at, unless you have a special bent wrench or something to get at those those u-bolt nuts and so what happens is and i've seen this too you'll get two or three of the the nuts tight and then you'll go oh i'll roll it forward or roll it backwards to spin this and then i'll reach the one and and, and finish tightening it and what happens is is you forget or you don't or whatever and then you know driving it on your test drive and you shit a u-joint and bang up the whole bottom of your truck. Uh, seen that happen. So things to check like that. Check your lug nuts. That's another one I've seen guys forget about. They did, you know, on a long project or a, or a project with a bunch of different things that happen, sometimes they'll have the tires off and then they put them back on and it's, oh, I'll just do this real fast and I just need it on there for a roller. Make sure your lug nuts are torqued. That's important. I've had one. My my old Ford pickup uh, had a wheel come loose and it just mangled mangled the wheel hub and everything else because I was in a hurry, forgot, drove it down the road. Thing just started rattling like hell. And, and the wheel, the lug nuts had all backed out and the wheel was just wobbling around on the studs. And every lug hole was about the size of a quarter. Um, so it just wrecked the wheel. Just really messed it up. So um, yeah, you, um, you know, double check your lug nuts, U-joint straps, um, motor mounts, transmission mount, make sure that stuff's tight. Um, and I know this is fucking softball stuff for a lot of you guys, but we've all been there. We've all made those mistakes. We've all been anxious and jumped in a rig before it was ready and, uh, something goes flying off or breaks. So we're not... We're all not perfect, that's for sure. Um, but I just I want to bring this up for these new guys and younger guys and 
in novices that don't know all the stuff or don't think about all this stuff. So, uh, and it's amazing what you find. All right, let's say you didn't undo the U-joint straps for whatever reason for you because you just did an engine. So the transmission stayed put, whatever. Check them anyways because you'd be amazed how many times you find loose hardware, loose stuff, things that are working out because you didn't even know that it was going to happen. Um, you know, so there's a there's a certain percentage of stuff you need to just check periodically anyways. Um, this kind of goes along with my whole grease gun rant, you know, and when you're under the truck greasing it every three to 7,000 miles, check. You'll, you'll find stuff that's loose or you might find something that needs attention. Uh, so before this drive, after your engine rebuild or full restoration or whatever it is, double check that stuff. It's super helpful and it can create, can save you from, from having a lot of problems later. Um, you know, as far as fuels stuff goes, when you're, when you're starting up the engine and you're getting ready to go, who knows how long that gas has been in the tank. That's something a lot of people overlook too. These projects take two, three, four, five years sometimes. Uh, and not necessarily our projects, but some of you guys doing them in your garage and stuff. That's how it is. And the gas that's in the tank, it's not going to be good. It's not something you're going to want to run through your brand new engine. So, you know, if you got, if you're about to embark on a large project or your project's been in the garage for a year, get that gas out of the tank. Uh, don't let that sit in there. Even, and, and if it's old gas, don't put stabilizer in it because it's just going to stabilize old gas. So that doesn't do anybody any good either. So get that gas out. Get a electric fuel pump, hook it up to the fuel line, and just run the tank down because um, you don't want that old gas in there. Definitely don't. Um, you know, a lot of times too, if you're not doing body work and metal work, fill the tank up, fill it to the top with fresh gas and add the stabilizer in it. And it'll hold for three or four years with the stabilizer. Most of the time, non-ethanol is what you really want, but I know some of you guys are harder, harder to get and it's expensive, you know, 20 gallons of non-eth. I mean, that's like five bucks a gallon around here. So, you know, you're in a, a quite a bit of money. But that's what that keeps the fuel tank from rusting. Fuel tanks rust because they get run at half full their whole life, and the, the upper half starts to rust because um, they're raw metal inside. There's no liner, uh, so uh, that's what causes the rust. So to to keep your tank from rusting, you want it full to the top. Um, that's the best way to to keep that from happening. Uh, so if you got a project that's sitting, do something about the tank. Everyone forgets about it, but that's important. Don't run shitty gas through your brand new fresh rebuilt carburetor or your fresh FI system or whatever it is. You just don't. Um, so again, make sure the transmission cooler stuff is up. If it's an automatic, make sure you're, um, good to go, you know, before you roll out like that, make sure the transfer case has fluid in it. Make sure it's in two-wheel drive. I've seen that a few times where guys haul out and they're in actually in four high and get going down the road and they hear a racket or something and it's the front drive shaft spinning and the hubs aren't locked in so everything's making a weird noise. Um, 
So make sure you're in too high if you've got a four-wheel drive rig. Um, just all these little things. And I know it's dumb. I know it's elementary, but it's important. You just, the more stuff you check, the better off you are on the initial drive. So just keep all that in mind and, uh, and you will, you'll have a lot better test drive. And then after you've had it on the road for a couple weeks, you have been driving it and it might not be done. It might just be a fun project, but you've driven it a few times. You've showed it off to your buddies, whatever. Double check stuff like shock bolts, U-bolts, U-joint straps, exhaust hangers, uh, exhaust manifolds on the engine, uh, the donut, the, the flange to um, exhaust pipe mount, steering box, Make sure the cotter keys on the tie rods are still in. Um, shackle bolts, uh, the, all that stuff. Anything that's a moving part like that, double check it before it gets the chance to come loose because it will, well, some of that stuff will loosen up, um, especially if it wasn't torqued tight enough the first time or um, just use will start to loosen that stuff up. Uh, you know, uh, if you did axle rebuild, jack it up wobble the tire around see if there's any bearing end play uh if there is then you know pull the hub and pull the locking hub and then snug it up whatever the torque spec is for that or whatever feels good i torque everything by how the wheel rolls i don't use a gauge or anything i just have gotten good at what it feels like so um that's how we do it but yeah double check that stuff after a new build because again you don't want it coming loose you know lug nuts all that stuff check it check it check it check it you can't just jump in them and forget about them uh you, know, you might have been able to do it from the factory when they were new and you definitely can do it with new cars but your know, full restoration or parcel restoration and you're doing all that the chances of something coming off or coming loose is just greater so um you know, when we do our restorations, we put miles on them. And I guarantee you, after the break-in period, we find loose stuff. It just never fails. It happens, even to us. And that's why we do the break-in period. That's why I put 300 miles on a rig before it goes back to the customer. Um, you know, because I just don't want that to be their problem. It's our problem. So anyway, hopefully some of this stuff was informative. You can think about, gives you something to look at. Uh, and, uh, you know, something to, something to consider. So thank you guys. Thanks for the support. Um, again, social media across the board, binder boneyard on all of them, uh, YouTube, uh, our eBay store, all that stuff, binder boneyard. we got new stickers coming out soon, hopefully to have shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and all that too. So that will be coming out soon. So thank you guys again. Appreciate it very much. Um, and I will talk to you shortly.